And finally, for the scripture reading, Psalms 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground, and that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is in God, is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord of their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for our generation. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. This psalm, Psalm 146, is a song of praise. In the Hebrew, this psalm begins and ends with the words hallelujah, which means praise Yahweh or praise the Lord. And so um, both at the beginning of this psalm and then also when you get to the end, we are informed that we ought to be praising the Lord, praising God. And sometimes that's easy to do, right? Sometimes you, f you just feel like praising God. It's almost effortless. But sometimes it's hard. And what, what I love about this psalm is that, like many of the psalms in the Bible, in, in, in addition to telling us that we really ought to be praising God, the psalmist also helps us to do that by describing for us some of, some of those attributes of God that are worthy of our praise. And that can be very helpful. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with a friend and your friend maybe tells you about a restaurant that they visited recently and the kind of food that they had there, or maybe they, they tell you about a meal that they themselves fixed in their, in their own kitchen, their, their, their grandmother's recipe for pot roast or something like that. And, you know, when the conversation began, you weren't even thinking about food at all. In fact, you weren't hungry. You just had lunch a couple of hours ago. But as they begin to describe the ingredients in the meal and the flavors and the aroma, what happens? You start to get hungry, right? The, the, the mere description of the goodness of the food awakens your appetite. And this psalm can do exactly that for us. As we hear the goodness of our God described for us, as we're reminded again of, of how wonderful He is, we, we, we can find awakening within us an appetite for praise. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be wonderful if God were to use this psalm that way for us today? Well, what I'd like to do as we look at this is I just want to explore for us some of these, um, some of these praiseworthy, wonderful truths about God that are described in this psalm. And one, one of them that the psalmist points us to is God's faithfulness. How many of you know that God is faithful? That means, you know what that means? That means that God is reliable. God is trustworthy. You, 
you can count on God. And the psalmist says you can count on God in ways that you can't not always count on people. Look at verse 3 and 4. He says, do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. It's another way of saying people can let you down. They can, right? When I was, uh, when I was in seminary, I worked in, a, I worked in a restaurant for a while, and there was a college student who worked in the same restaurant. I didn't know him very, very well. We didn't often have the same shifts, but, but he, I guess he heard that I was a ministerial student. So one, one evening when we both, both happened to be on break, he called me aside. He said, listen, can I talk to you? I need to talk to you. And he just... He, uh, he, looked, uh, he looked shaken, and he began, I didn't realize that he was a Christian, I found out then, he began to share with me that um, he had learned a secret about a man that he had really looked up to. Um, there, apparently there was a pastor that he knew whose teaching ministry had, had a big impact on this young man's life, and he had, just, he had just learned something about this man that was really bad. And if you could see the, the look on this kid's face, he almost looked like someone had just punched him in the stomach. It hurt that bad. And, and some of us know what that feels like. You've placed your faith in someone. You've trusted their character. You trusted their words. You, 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 you've, you trusted their integrity, and, and, um, and they failed you. I wonder if that's ever happened to you. For some people, maybe it was a parent that a parent that abandoned your family when you were very young. Or for many of us, maybe it was a politician. You're like, finally, a good politician. Hear what they're promising. And then, you know, they, they don't deliver like they promised. Or maybe you had a friend that you really confided. You really confided in her. And uh, maybe he or she betrayed your trust. So we know, we know what that feels like to just be devastated because we've trusted in someone. And they... They let us down. So the psalmist says, Don't, do not put your trust in princes. And here's what's interesting. Notice, he, do, he doesn't just say, don't put your trust in bad princes, you know, people who lack integrity. He, he basically says, don't put your trust in any princes, even in the good ones. Why? Because even the best, listen, even the best of people that you know are finite, aren't they? They're limited. Even the, best, even the best people you've ever known in your life cannot fulfill the deepest needs of your soul. They just can't. They're just, they're, they're just human beings. Now, so he says, don't put your trust in them. Now, I think you'd agree with me. I don't think the psalmist is giving us an excuse to be cynical in our relationships. You've met people like that, like, I don't trust anyone. I'll never trust anyone ever again. I don't think so. that's what he means. I, I think what he's saying is that you should never put your ultimate trust, your deepest trust in a human being because people can let you down. But, the psalmist says, God never will let you down. God will never let you down. As, as opposed to those who trust in princes, he says about those who trust in God, verse 5 and 6, he says, blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. 
He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. And then look at the end of verse 6. He remains faithful forever. Now, that phrase remains faithful, literally it means he keeps truth. Isn't that an interesting phrase? He keeps truth forever. Uh, different tra versions of the Bible will translate that differently. You could translate that, the Lord remains loyal forever, or the Lord keeps his word forever. One, one Bible has, has it, God keeps every promise. And another one says, God can be trusted to do what he says. He, he is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Before the mountains were formed, before, before the hills were in their place, before anything existed, he has always been God, and he always will be, and he remains faithful forever. Now, some of you have lived long enough to know that to say that God is faithful does not mean you will never go through hard times. Have you learned that yet? Does, doesn't mean you'll never go through hard times. But it does mean this, Christian. If you trust in God, you will never go through hard times alone. Have you, learned, have you experienced that? He will be right by your side through all of it. To, to say that God is faithful doesn't mean that you will never experience sorrow. You might have deep heartbreak in your life, but it does mean this, Christian. It, it means this, that sorrow, sorrow will not be the last word that defines your life. It will not be. Have you, have you read this book yet? Let me tell you, spoiler alert, it ends with joy, all right? It ends with every tear wiped away from our eyes. To, to say that God is faithful, it, does, it doesn't mean that every plan you ever make will, will work out exactly as you hope. It doesn't mean that, but it does mean this, no matter what happens. Have, have you experienced this? God will be with you. He will be your God. He will be at your side. His word will be true, and he will prove himself to be strong in your behalf. I, I wonder if anyone here, is there anyone here who's ever gone through a hard, hard time and God has been faithful to you. Anyone? Amen. It's, it says in verse 10, the Lord reigns forever. No one's ever going to knock over his throne, right? The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. So one of, one of the things the psalmist describes about God, one, one aspect of his goodness is God's faithfulness. Another aspect is God's compassion. Uh, we, it seems to me that we live in a world, you and I, we live in a society that's not really very big on compassion. I mean, if you think, just think about the kinds of people whom, whom in our culture, the kinds of people that we honor, people we pay attention to, people we, we, uh, we give them a celebrity status. Think of the kinds of people that we honor with fame and applause. If you think of that, you would have to conclude that as a, as a society, we, who do we value? We value the successful, right? We value the physically attractive. We, we value good athletes and A students. We value rich people, right? And that's really nice if you happen to be one of those people. But for those of us who are not, no compassion. 
There's, there was a hit song back in the 1970s by a, a song, singer-songwriter named Janice Ian. And, the, and the, the song, I think it won the song of the year back in the mid-70s. She was thinking back to what it felt like to be an awkward teenager in her high school. And uh, the, the name of the song was At 17. I wonder if you felt like this at 17. Here's what she said. These are the lyrics. I learned the truth at 17 that love was meant for beauty queens and high school girls with clear-skinned smiles who marry young and then retire. The Valentines I never knew, the Friday night charades of youth, were spent on one more beautiful. At 17, I learned the truth. And those of us with ravaged faces, lacking in the social graces, desperately remained at home, inventing lovers on the phone. Those of us who knew the pain of Valentines that never came, and those whose names were never called when choosing sides in basketball. It was long ago and far away, the world was younger than today, when dreams were all they gave for free to ugly duckling girls like me. She just describes growing up feel, just feeling like an outsider, fe feeling like an unloved person, and a lot of people know what that feels like. And in, in our society, there is not much compassion for those who don't win. But God, your God, he is not like that, is he? Have you read the Bible? The God who has revealed himself to us in the pages of Scripture, he has revealed that he is a God of amazing compassion. He's the God who identifies with the outsider. He's, he's the God who, who's on the side of the forgotten. He's, he's, he's on the God, he's the kind of God who hangs out with those who are rejected by everyone else. He identifies with the overlooked, with the weak. Here, here's the way the psalmist puts it, verse 7 to 9. He says, and he's delighting in this about God. He says, he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. In other words, he's saying he is a God of compassion. He's, he's a God who looks on those whom everyone else has overlooked and sees their brokenness and sees their weakness and responds with an outpouring of love. Does it make you happy about your God? That's who he is. He's, he, isn't this something? Um, to the rest of the world, your value is what you bring to the table. You are valued on the basis of what you have to offer. God, God values you on the basis of your need and his love, and that's all. That's so wonderful. I wonder, what are, I wonder what is the biggest, I wonder what would be the biggest need or the deepest hurt in your life right now. You may not even feel comfortable letting anyone else know about it. God knows, and let, listen to me. Oh my God cares deeply about that. 
If you read on to the next Psalm, Psalm 147, it, it says this in Psalm 147, the Lord heals the brokenhearted. You ever have a broken heart? The Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Our God is tender, He is compassionate, He is understanding, and He is... Um, our God is the kind of God who walks into a, a middle school lunchroom and sees the kids that nobody wants to sit with, and He sits with them. He's compassionate. So here's what we're describing about God, the faithfulness of God, the compassion of God. One final thing um, that He describes. He describes the grace of God, God's grace. Raise your hand if you've ever seen Sesame Street. Anyone here ever seen Sesame Street? Arwen, have you seen Sesame Street? Okay, very good. There, there's a, there's a well-known segment on Sesame Street, kind of a classic, and um, maybe they do it different ways, but I remember seeing it with, they'll have Kermit the Frog sitting there, and then next to Kermit or below him, there's like a, a big picture, like a flannel graph that's divided into four quadrants. And in one corner of the, the, uh, the sign, all right, let's say there's a hat over here. And down in the other corner, there's a pair of gloves. And in the other one, there's a picture of some shoes. And in the last corner, maybe there's a hammer, all right? Have you ever seen this? And then Kermit sings... One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. And, what, and of course, what is the one that doesn't belong in that scenario? The? The hammer. Very good. Armin got it. All right. Kermit would have loved, listen, Kermit would have loved Psalm 146. Because if, if you look at this list, verse 7 through 9, you look at this list of the kind of people that God cares deeply for, there's one kind of person in this list that it just seems like they don't belong, like they don't fit there. So look at the list. Who, who, who's on the list? Well, you have the, you have the oppressed, right? Those, the oppressed, those are people who are objects of injustice. And you have the hungry. Those are people who need food. And you have prisoners. Those are people who, who lack freedom. You have the blind, right, the physically disabled. And you've got the, the foreigners, the fatherless, the widow. You've got all those who are bowed down. What, so what do all these people have in common? Well, in, in some sense, they're all needy. In some sense, they're vulnerable. In some sense, they're all broken, right? And then did you notice right in the middle of that list? The righteous. Isn't that weird? I mean, Kermit would be pointing at that, right? I mean, what, it's at the end of verse 8. The Lord loves the righteous. And, and to us, that sounds out of place. It sounds like they don't belong in the list. Why? Because when we think of the righteous, what do we think of? We think of people who have their act together, right? We think of people who've never messed up. They never struggle with addictions. They never struggle with, with compulsive behavior. Their families are perfect. There's never any problems in their home, right? The, the, the righteous, these are the people who just sail through life making one good decision after another, and, and, and that's what we think of that. So we look at this and we say, what are the righteous doing in this list? Well, listen, in the context, and when you read the Bible, context is everything, all right? In this context, righteous here does not refer to sinlessness. In this context, it does not refer to, to those who are morally perfect. In this context, you know what the righteous means just here? It just means 
the people of God. It means, it means broken people who have heard the promises of the covenant and have simply trusted the love of God and taking him at his word. Broken people who have trusted God's promises, listen, are always recipients of grace. Why, why are the righteous listed in, in here? Because they've been, they are broken people to whom God has extended grace. What is grace? Grace, um, grace the classic definition is it is unmerited favor. In other words, grace, grace is love and acceptance that you don't deserve. And how many of you know that the whole reason, the whole reason Jesus came was to give us grace, to give us love and acceptance we don't deserve? Remember he said, he defined his reason for coming was what? To seek and to save perfect people. No. He said the whole reason he came was to seek and to save lost people, broken people, people who've messed up so that they might through faith in him receive a abundance of grace from God. And, and here's the good news of the gospel. I wonder if you've heard this. Whenever you turn from your sin and you just admit your brokenness to God and you trust in Jesus, God pours out grace after grace after grace on you and God looks at you and he says, I see you as righteous. You're, you're numbered with the righteous now. I accept you. I love you. I have forgiven you. I've adopted you into my home you are righteous. So why are the righteous included in this list of broken people? Because the righteous are just as broken as anyone else. And they've received grace. Have you, have you, have you received God's grace? It's, he's, he offers it for free. If you've trusted in Christ, you have God looks at you. Listen, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, God is looking at you right now and smiling with love. And if you haven't, right now God is looking at you with arms open saying you are invited to receive this. So he talks about God's grace. Now, this is kind of an aside, but I wonder if, if you've ever met someone like this. This is pretty rare. But once in a while, once in a while you'll meet a Christian who doesn't care about the poor, right? Or they, they are not very welcoming of, of the immigrant, or they're kind of hard-hearted toward the needy. Once in a while, you meet someone like this, and, and don't you want to just say, hey, wait a minute, time out. Don't you realize that, Christian, you're in the same list? Look, look at this, Psalm 146. You're the righteous. You're right in the very same list with the poor and the broken and the blind and the prisoner. How can you not have compassion on them? And so here's something, many of you, I know you've experienced this in your life, as the grace, this knowledge of the fact that you are a recipient of grace, as that kind of seeps into your heart. You just look at the needs of the world differently now, don't you? You, you, you look at the poor and you say, oh man, that's my brother, that's my sister. Why? Because I, I was bankrupt, poor spiritually, and God poured out the, the, the riches of Christ in me. 
Or, or, or you, you look at the immigrant and you say, I'm going to welcome this immigrant because I myself was an outsider to God's kingdom and he brought me in and made me a citizen, right? Or, or, you, or you think of the prisoners and, you, and you're, rather than just kind of condemning and fearing, you say, oh man, my heart goes out to the incarcerated. Why? Because I was once captive to my own sin and Christ set me free. When you understand grace, do you see what happens? When you understand grace, um, this builds a compassion within you, doesn't it? I see that in this church, in, in so many of you. And in addition to building compassion, it just makes you want to praise. And so that's this whole psalm. Just I, The psalmist says, I'm going to tell you to praise, and I'm going to help you praise. Let me, can I talk to you about your God? Can I remind you that he's faithful? You're going through a hard time right now, but he is with you. Can I remind you of that? Can I remind you of his compassion? You feel broken and hurt, and that means God is sitting right next to you right now. He is on your side, and I, can I remind you of his grace? He's numbered you among the redeemed. You are his. So hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Would you pr let's pray together. Father, we thank you for passages like this in the Bible that remind us of how good you are. And we pray that now as we prepare to come to your table that you'll remind us in an even deeper way. We pray that the Holy Spirit would right now just drive home the truths of your love and fill our hearts with joy as we rejoice in your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.